the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The title of the message is Proclaiming the Mystery of Christmas. And our text is taken from Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 24 to 28. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. I remember that story about an owner of a restaurant who, who has this patio that boasts a tremendous view of the mountains. But there was a problem. He noticed that for the last several years, he placed new tiles on that patio, but it's been consistently crumbling and deteriorating, and it's becoming a, a, a turnoff for a lot of the customers. So what he did is he hired an expert to look at the floor, uh, to examine it, to see what's causing it to, to, to crumble so quickly and so easily. The expert came and assessed the floor, and after testing and examining the whole area, the whole situation, he said to the owner, you have been power washing this floor far too much. And when you do that every day, you know that your tiles will deteriorate, will crumble because the problem is that it's sustaining water damage. And that made sense to the owner of the restaurant. He said, okay, well, you know, what, what, what am I supposed to do? And he said, well, you, you either stop uh, washing your floor every day or find another way to clean up the floor uh, so that, you know, you, you don't have to power wash it every day and ha- not have it deteriorate so quickly. And that made sense to the owner, but he wasn't convinced. So like any other business owner, he asked for a second opinion. And another expert came. And one quick look at the floor, he asked the owner, tell me, what are your hours of operations? Well, he said, well, we're only open for breakfast and lunch. So we closed the restaurant by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And he said, ah, that's your problem. 
You got to change your schedule. And he said to himself, how did he come up with a problem of a schedule and the deteriorating floor? And so he got curious and says, so why, why, why is that an issue? What does it have to do with me closing my restaurant at 2 o'clock in the morning? And he said, well, see, this is what happens. He said, if you close the restaurant at 2 in the afternoon, there's still daylight for a couple of hours. And what it does is it attracts the local birds. And the local birds, seeing that the, the patio was empty, will come and bring their droppings on the floor. And sometimes they'll even bring their, the straws and make nests. And so what you, when, when, you, when you open the store, the restaurant in the morning, you will obviously find that the floor was dirty. And so what do you have to do? You have to power wash your floor. So in order to eliminate the problem, you need to serve dinner in your restaurant so that your restaurant will be opened much later. And therefore, the birds will not come when they see people in the patio. And he said to himself, okay, well, that makes sense. But the difference between the first expert and the second expert is this. The first expert just, just uh, looked at the problem and determined what the, you know, why the floor is crumbling. The other expert went deeper than that. The other expert actually went to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is the reason why they're power washing <laughs> was because the local birds have been messing up the patio. The point of the matter is to solve that mystery of the crumbling floor, the owner of the restaurant had to go much deeper than just what's causing it in the surface. And that's exactly what's going on in a lot of people's minds when it comes to Christmas. Okay, Christmas is still a mystery to many people. It shouldn't be a mystery to God's people. But sadly, Christmas is still a mystery even among God's people. We have not fully understood the root issues, the, root, the main reason why we really do honor and celebrate Christmas. We just celebrated Christmas and we understand it as the celebration or the commemoration of the birth of Jesus, which set into motion God's redemptive plan for the world. But still, many do not understand why. And often we hear from preachers like me, Jesus came to save sinners. That means all of us, all of the world. The world is a fallen world, and we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I have been called a sinner many, many times over. So my mindset about Christmas is this thing about Jesus coming and cleaning up the mess that I have made in my life or the mess that we make of our life. So when we present the message of Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, it always has something to do with the fact that Jesus is coming in order to deal with our sin problem. And that's all true. But here's a much bigger problem. Not everybody, not even in this room, thinks that their life is a mess. And that's really why it's still a mystery to a lot of people. When you say that Christmas is a celebration of Jesus coming to the world to save people from sin, 
you might capture the attention of those who fully understand that their life is a mess, but a great majority of people still don't believe that their life is messy enough to warrant such an event taking place. But the Bible clearly says that there is a mystery to the coming of Jesus that was once hidden but has now been revealed in the celebration of Christmas. Again, we understand and we just sang about it earlier that the gospel is about Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God is with us. So we, we understand it. You know, we understand the concept of God being with us and we call Jesus the Emmanuel. Okay. So when we talk about God being with us, we're talking about the four pillars of the gospel. Isn't that right? Let's, let's review those and I'm going to come back to them later on. But when we say God is with us, when we say Jesus is the Emmanuel, we're talking about four things. Number one, we're talking about reconciliation as a gift. The coming of Jesus is a, a gift that God is reconciling us back to himself. It also means there's now true rejoicing and gladness in the celebration of Jesus' coming. He brought rejoicing and gladness in its truest sense. We also talk about redemption by grace. And of course, the rule of God. So when we talk about Emmanuel, when we talk about God being with us, we're talking about these four things. Reconciliation as a gift, rejoicing in gladness, redemption by grace, and the rule of God. All of these are at the core of what Christmas is all about and what it means to say that God is with us. That's what the entire world needed. In fact, in the Old Testament, they were promised a Messiah. And this Messiah that they've been anticipating, this Messiah that was supposed to come, was supposed to give them these four things. And in the New Testament, of course, this, this concept of God being with us uh, was taken to the next level as it reveals to us, to all the world, that the coming Messiah is not just for one nation, but is for the entire world. But that's not where the mystery ends. As good and as true as all these things are, there's a more profound revelation that Christmas have ushered. In creation. Do you ever wonder why, even though you tell people about these four things about the gospel, that still they don't believe? I often wonder about that. When you, when you tell a person, you know, Christmas is about God reconciling us to himself. It's a gift. When we talk to people about, hey, Christmas is, is about uh, God's grace and mercy. It's about redemption. It's about the rule of God. Who would resist something like that? You know, I often wonder, why would anybody resist something like that? There's something missing. There's a, a gap in our understanding of what it means to really uh, honor and value the message of Christmas. So what's missing? Why is it still not understood and accepted by everyone? Maybe even some among God's household. Now, here in the scriptures that we just read, we are given the true 
mystery of Christmas. And I don't want you to miss this. I hope this is the last time I have to, to explain this to God's people <laughs> at Christmas, okay? So this is it. This is really why so many people cannot grasp the gospel. They stopped at the notion that God is with us. So here's the mystery according to our text. The true mystery of Christmas is this, that the God who is with us is now the God who is in us. That's really the mystery. That's really what we need to grasp. The God who is with us is not only with us, but is now a God who is in us. In the Old Testament, they only understand God is with them. Okay? Uh, they have no concept of God being in them. In fact, in the Old Testament, the dwelling place of God is a place called a temple or a tabernacle. Uh, and then, uh, then Jesus came, and now the God who is with us has now literally became visible, and Jesus dwelt among people for a while. That's in John chapter 1. Then Jesus showed them what God is like. Jesus showed us what God is like as he became the God-man. And the disciples testified to the fact that they have beheld his glory, that the one and only begotten Son of God. And they can testify to what they have seen and heard because God became physical in the person of Jesus. Then Jesus said, It is better that I go to heaven so that I can send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will not only be with you, but will be in you, and he will abide forever. Would you take a moment to jot these verses down just very quickly, okay, as quick as you can write it. John chapter 14, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 23. Romans 8, 10. Galatians 2, 20. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. 1 John 3, 24. And Revelations 3.20. I don't have time to go through all of those scriptures. That's why I had you to jot them down. But now here's the deal. Okay? God is with all people now. Okay? In the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 24 to 27, it reads this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in Temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So here's the deal. God is with all people, but God is not in all people. There has to be a transition between knowing that God is with us and that God is in us. I'm not talking about God being in us, making us gods. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God dwelling in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 to 16, it says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. The God who is 
with us is the God who is in us. So, loved ones, when we proclaim Christmas, we don't just proclaim Jesus as Emmanuel or God with us. We also recognize that that glory, the glory of God's presence now resides in each and every one of us who calls Jesus our Lord and Savior. He resides in the hearts of people. Now, these concepts are hard to digest because don't, we don't see things normally through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in our lives, throughout our lives. And that's why we need to be empowered by the Spirit, to be baptized by the Spirit, however you want to call it. Otherwise, we will never truly understand the mystery of Christmas. God is not just with us. He is in us. The Bible says, the text that we read says, Jesus now has been revealed to us. The mystery of His coming has now been revealed to us. Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, every Christian should know that. I'm not saying you don't know it. I'm simply saying we need to grasp that. Every time we think about what it means to celebrate and honor Christmas, Christmas, we proclaim the glory of God that is now residing in us. He no longer resides in temple built by, built by human hands. He, he no longer resides in, 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 you know, in systems and institutions and, and concoctions that people have when it comes to religious practice. He's not a figure of some religious system. That's why I keep saying to people, Christianity is never a religion. It's, it's never viewed as a religion. Because this, this, this Shekinah glory of God that used to dwell in, in the past in, in a temple built by human hands is now residing in each and every person who calls on Him, who calls on the name of Jesus. So we proclaim the glory that is in, in us, that is within us, that is in our hearts. So, so how do we do that? How does that show? How do we proclaim that, 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 that glory that, once, that was once a mystery but is now revealed? Okay, how do we reveal it in our lives? I got four things for you this morning, four points to the sermon, okay? How do we proclaim the glory that is in us? Number one, we proclaim it by resuming the work of Jesus, by resuming his work. You want to know that you're really honoring and celebrating Christmas? Do we really want to know how we are projecting the glory of Christ? We resume his work. We resume his work. Look at verse 24 again. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, Jesus was born, he grew up to proclaim the kingdom of God. He went to the cross and he died for us. And in three days, he rose again from the dead. Everybody knows that. In 40 days, he went up to heaven. And 10 days later, after he went up to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came, that's the sign that the mission, the earthly mission of Jesus was over. It was done. Okay? He went up to heaven. His mission was done, but his ministry continues. 
And the ministry of Jesus continues through the church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what this verse really is talking about. Paul says, I fill up in my body what is still lacking in Christ's affliction. What's he talking about? What is this what he's saying? He's saying that Jesus suffered in his body and he sacrificed, sacrificed his body. Now, that's done. Jesus says, my sacrifice, my suffering is, is, is sacrificial. Now, your suffering, the followers of Jesus, the church, our suffering is through service. That's an important thing to, consi- to consider. Uh, many people think that, oh, you know, I have to suffer like Jesus suffered. I don't think so. I don't think it's necessarily, we're necessarily going to suffer the same way Jesus suffered. In some instances, we're going to pay for the price of our faith. But what is Jesus really saying to, to the church? He's saying, I've given myself up. I died on the cross. My mission is over. I'm the Redeemer, the, the only Savior of the world. But that this ministry needs to continue. And it's going to continue through my body. The church and the Holy Spirit will propel you, will guide you, will, will show you how this is done. We are called to continue the work of the ministry of Jesus. That's what it means to suffer for Christ. Our suffering is rooted in our service to Him. He's still saving people from their sin today. Amen? He's still the healer. He still fills people's spirit. Okay? He's still restoring. He's still redeeming. He's still speaking. But He's not doing it Himself. He's doing it through the body of Christ through the church. So we shouldn't measure the glory of Christmas in the conventional way. When you talk to people about, you know, how, how did you celebrate Christmas? So, you know, I'm just thankful for Christmas. I had a blessed life. I thank God for the protection and safety and security that we receive. We don't measure and honor Christmas in those terms. Christmas is not about God blessing us. He, has, he doesn't have a problem blessing people. And we measure Christmas by the amount of security and blessings and protection and safety that we receive. No, we measure it by how effective we have served Christ. How effective we are serving Christ. How much we have filled up in our body what still needed to be accomplished by Jesus through us. That's the very reason why the Holy Spirit came. That's the very reason why the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. If our mindset is simply to say that God is with us, we're going to simply rely on, doing, uh, on, on God doing the work that we are supposed to do. The word sacrifice is something that we're not very fond of. So we rather think that Jesus is still sacrificing. But that's not true. You know where Jesus is? Jesus is in heaven seated on the throne of power. That's where he is, okay? He's not not coming from heaven down and up, down and up, like so many people say. You know, I I actually hear people say, you know, Jesus appeared to me in my hospital room when I was sick, and I actually saw Jesus. No, you didn't see Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus isn't going to come down again after he went up and promised the Holy Spirit to come down. And yet we have this twisted thing that Jesus is supposed to still be doing the things that we are supposed to do. When you think 
you saw Jesus in your hospital room, are you sick? Chances are it's not Jesus, it's either Larry or Yvonne. All right? I hope that illustrates it right. Okay? Because that's what's supposed to happen. We fill up in our bodies what's still lacking. If I sound like this, you know, it's, it's, it's my responsibility to kind of reiterate this mystery that is supposed to be no longer a mystery. Our mindset should not just be, oh, God is with us. Our mindset should be, oh, God is in us. That's an important thing. Jesus says, I'm not going to come back until I come back the second time. Okay? So if our mindset is that God is in us, our attitude about service will become sacrificial just as Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Be careful how you view serving Jesus. Jesus never promised his disciples that he will do everything for them. In fact, Jesus said, greater things you will do, okay? (laughs) After I left because the Holy Spirit's going to come. So there's this big mandate from each and every one of us to fill with our bodies what's still lacking, okay? Now, Jesus is not insufficient, but the church has been established in order to carry out the ministry that he left for us. Secondly, we proclaim the glory of Christmas by revealing his word. Revealing his word. Look at verse 25. I have become its servant, Paul writes, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now, that's a huge Christian commission. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.